it takes a lot of trust in the Holy Spirit to think that, you know, your your job is to plant those seeds. Your job is to, you know, just to point people in the right direction. And, and God is the one that waters, right? God gives the growth. Um, so it's it's really beautiful to see. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. I am your co-host, Emily Mentock, and I'm joined today by the other co-host, Father Patrick Gagno. How you doing, Emily? I'm doing great, Father Patrick. What's new in your life? You know, um, over at Corpus Christi Catholic Church, we're coming back out of the pandemic and having people come back to Mass. We had a, a welcome back weekend, and I don't want to toot, toot our own horn. It's for the glory of God, but Emily, we've actually got people joining Corpus Christi Catholic Church. So oh my gosh. that's exciting. Like I've noticed over the last like eight months, like, hey, we're starting to get more people joining. Like we've got people coming back, but we've, we've also got people joining the church. And one day, like one little dream on my heart is like, I want us to actually have to add pews because we got people coming to church. So that's one exciting, joyful thing going on. Glory to God. And I ask for more, Lord, more. Yes. And uh, what's what's up with you, Emily? What's good? Oh, you know, just uh, busy chugging along at work here in the Archdiocese, which uh, we're, this is double work for me this afternoon. We've got a guest on who I actually work with over in the communications office, uh, but things are going well, enjoying fall, looking for, I've been now in the Archdiocese living here in Detroit for over a year, which is hard to believe that the time has flown by, but really enjoying it, feel more settled, a lot more settled now. Once you get through that first year, you feel like you learned so much, um, but yeah, really enjoying the fall weather. I'm, I'm not one of those people who, uh, longs for summer as winter is coming. I embrace all four of the seasons as a Midwest girl. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you, uh, coming from South Bend, Indiana, and I know we talk about Notre Dame a little bit now and again. Um, are you a Notre Dame football fan? I am a Notre Dame football fan. It's so strange being away last year. Some of my homesickness was cured by the fact that they didn't allow fans other than students and faculty in the stadium and no tailgating was allowed. So that made it a little bit easier to be away. But this year, uh, uh, I only have plans actually to go back for one weekend. It's the USC game in October. Uh, my uh, sister will be in town visiting, so I'll go down. But yes, I am a fan watching the games. Uh, it's an okay season so far. <laughs> So that's a lot of catching up, Emily. I think we should pitch, I should pitch it back to you to introduce our amazing guest. Yes. So uh, I am super blessed to work with our guest uh, at the Archdiocese. Um, so, but before I give away exactly who it is, because I'm sure it's a name that many of our listeners know, he's been around for a long time in communications and knows probably as many people throughout the Archdiocese as almost anyone I've met here. Um, but see if you can guess who he is based on these facts. So he once tried out for a minor league hockey team, didn't make it, but still plays ice hockey in a men's league. Uh, he also runs a kayaking website in his spare time, um, which I'm shocked he has any. And also, uh, this is a really beautiful, fun fact to share that he wears a miraculous medal given to him by a nurse when his wife was in the ICU, which um, is just so incredible and means a lot to him. So yeah. if those, that wasn't enough to give it away. It's also our Detroit Catholic editor-in-chief, Mike Stick Schulte. Mike, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Emily and Father Patrick. Thanks for joining us today, brother. How are things going in your life? Absolutely. Things are going great. Um, yeah, we're, we're super blessed. Uh, like, like Emily mentioned, we're, um, you know, we're doing some great work with uh, Detroit Catholic, with the Archdiocese. Um, we're coming up on, on a year of our own podcast. And uh, yeah, just, um, you know, been super blessed. Um, my wife is uh, starting her, her uh, a new job this afternoon. So, um, you know, th things are going good in the Stuxfield household. Uh, That's great to hear. 
That's great to hear, Mike. Um, well, we want to know, you know, the person behind before you even came to Michigan Catholic, which was, uh, if, if anyone doesn't know who's listening to this podcast was the newspaper before Detroit Catholic, our online publication. Um, but what led you in your life to then, uh, as a joyful missionary disciple, want to work for the archdiocese and work for Michigan Catholic, which I think it was it almost 10 years ago that you started working for them. Almost 10 years. Yeah, it'll be 10 years this January. Great. Well, can wow. maybe give us some more, help us know the mic before the AOD. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's kind of a roundabout story, but uh, yeah, just in, in kind of the, the nutshell version. I So I grew up here in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Um, I grew up in a little town called Oxford, which is in uh, northern Oakland County. Um, I grew up in a moderately Catholic home, um, and I say moderately Catholic because we were we we're practicing Catholics. Um, you know, I grew up I grew up Catholic. I had a, a younger brother and a younger sister, and um, you know, we went to church on Sundays. Um, but I think we that was kind of the extent of it. Like we weren't we were kind of like the um, you know don't do anything extra you know Catholics. Like we were the we were the like check off the box go to don't go to church on Sunday. Um, but we, we weren't really immersed in our Catholic faith is the best way that I could, I could put it. Like I, I didn't learn how to pray the rosary until I was in college. Um, you know, we were just kind of, we were just kind of getting by, but, um, but I was, uh, Emily knows this about me because we, we work together, but I can be kind of a stubborn argumentative person at times. And I was, that was kind of how I approached my faith as a kid, right? Like I, Growing up, um, I was the I was the kid in school who was like, you know, I wanted to wear the Jesus T-shirts. I wanted to wear the Jesus hats because because no one else did. You know, I was like uh, I was I was proud of being a Catholic, but I think I, I had this kind of what I would describe as an immature kind of faith um, where, uh, you know, I was kind of almost this like rebellious uh, Catholic um and, well, that's, and just zeal. that's just zeal <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what I told myself at the time I, I told myself it was just zeal but I think I just like standing out more than anything um and I remember there was a time when I was in uh middle school where like I I actually went and I put like I made I had these signs made up right and I was like I'm gonna get people in my school to like know who Jesus is and I had these signs made up that said like Jesus loves you or something like that and I I, I don't remember exactly what it said but I went after school to my classroom and I uh, plastered these signs on the windows like facing inside the classroom so that like when people came in the next day they would see these signs and I'm like yeah like I'm doing God's work right wow. so that was wow. the kind of like that was the kind of kid that I was and it wasn't until like I got to high school um, where I really started to um, I guess own my faith a little bit more and like I wanted to learn a little bit more about it mm -hmm. and by doing that I decided that um like I said, that, that kind of Polish argumentative streak in me, um, I started getting into like conversations and debates with people online. Like, you know, um, internet message boards were kind of a new thing. And, and I was having a really good time, like finding people who were not Christian, who I could like, you know, share the, the gospel with and, and talk to them about why you should be a Christian. Um, and I remember like very distinctly, there was, there was a time that I was doing that. And I, I must've gotten to a debate with, um, with an atheist because they, they had some really good arguments about like, in their words, like why God didn't exist, um, why God couldn't exist, you know, why it was impossible. And, and, you know, science explains everything that we know. And like, how could you be so naive as to believe all this? And that like really stopped me dead in my tracks. Um, I, I had never really considered those like counter arguments. Mm. It had just always been like something that I, assumed was true because I grew up with it and this was what I knew 
and and that experience like really knocked me like flat on my back where um i i started having like very very strong doubts um and i was like i was still like in my mind i was still like no this can't be right like if it, the god has to exist because this is what i like this is right this is who i am um and i remember just like very distinctly at the time like i i had what i could only describe as a, a mental breakdown like mm -hmm. i i I had this uh, like personal identity crisis where like I wanted to be a Christian, but intellectually I was having just such a difficult time with it. Um, and, and my, my girlfriend at the time who was, was now my wife, um, you know, God bless her. But like, she, she was ex very patient with me at the time because I was, I was struggling, um, you know, just, just so much with this. And uh, you know, they just St. John of the cross talks about um, the dark night of the soul. And that's kind of the experience that I felt like I had. Um, and so like, as a result of that experience, you know, I, I was struggling to find answers and I, I didn't know where to look. I didn't know like really what to do. And I started, so I started asking people around me, like, how do you know, like other good Christians? I said, like, how do you know that God is real? Like, how do you, um, experience him in your daily life? And, um, you know, I just, I started with my mom and, and my, you know, my family members and, and I really, what I wanted to know wasn't so much, you know, the, the, their testimony as, as much as it was like, I wanted a proof, you know, I wanted somebody to tell me like, I had this, you know, experience in my life where God came down and he showed himself to me and there's no doubting it. Like I wanted that surety. Um, and I, there were a few people in my life who kind of started to give me that. Mm -hmm. and, and that was something that like, I wanted that for myself. Like, I, you know, I, I wanted I wanted Jesus to appear next to me and say, Hey, Mike, like, I'm really real. You don't have to doubt this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't happen. Like, and instead what he did, um, and I look back and I kind of see this providence. What he did was shared himself to me through the experiences of others. Um, I, I had um, a friend of my mom's who uh, is very big into Eucharistic adoration. She runs an adoration chapel at a, a parish near us. And uh, I remember she, she talked to me about, an experience, uh, kind of a, an experience that she had, almost a visionary experience that she had mm. in adoration, where she could like see the face of Christ in the Eucharist. Um, you know, I, I had an uncle who talked about uh, his experience with a guardian angel, and just things like this that were like just kind of flooding my mind, flooding my heart, and reassuring me that that no, like even if I didn't have all these answers right now, God is real because because of these experiences. Like there's there's the intellectual side of faith, but then there's also the the experiential side and the experiential side is just something that I had never, um, never really given much thought to. So, um, you know, at, at the expense of going on and on here, I, I, you know, at, it was at that point where I kind of really decided to really dig into my faith. Um, and I, I think I mentioned in my you know, pre uh, interview questionnaire that I'm, I'm really big into apologetics. That was kind of what started my love of that. And I just started reading and reading and reading and and eventually I found the answers that I was looking for. Um, but, but it was just really beautiful to see like how God uh, took those experiences for me and like gave me that clarity in a way that I didn't expect. It's beautiful, brother. Uh, when you're sit, when you're sharing it, looking for like someone to give you their insight, their experience. I just hear that, like that old Motown song, can I get a witness? <laughs> and, uh, and I jumped to Acts chapter one, where Jesus tells them as he's about to ascend, he says, you will receive power, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I, just, I love that the Lord put people in your life that could be witnesses of what they'd seen, what they'd experienced to give you that, that uh, confirmation in your heart about what you believe. And I love Romans. I mean, apologetics is great. And when Paul talks about, I mean, the proof for a creator in Romans chapter one, when Paul writes that ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. As a result, they have no excuse, like, you know, not knowing God, that like even by creation, the creator can be known. But I love how God lets us have our authentic questioning and wrestling experience like Jacob before his name became Israel, wrestling with the angel, like wrestling with it and allowing it to become yours through that holy wrestling and that, that searching out and asking the questions asking around thank god you were asking and there were people witnesses yeah there were the people mm -hmm. that is yeah. such a blessing mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely one thing that stood out mike and the from your pre-show questionnaire that kind of is part of this experience was that you said a line that um just really stood out to me about how apologetics is not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts. And it seems like that's almost what happened with like Jesus in a relationship with you too, where you were like, no, prove to me that you exist. And Jesus is like, no, I will, I'm not going to do it that intellectual route. I'm going to win over your heart through this witness of other people and through those experiences instead. And is that part of what's formed how you now approach witnessing your faith as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of funny, like, I, as I was reflecting on this, um, you know, I, I, I've, I, I've always, you know, had this, I, I've always loved journalism, I've always loved writing. Um, and I, but I'm not an outgoing person, like, I, I'm a very um, reserved person by nature, I can, I can talk when I have to, but I, I prefer not to. And I, my wife always jokes with me. She's like, you know, you, you don't like being, you know, uh, you, you don't like being this social butterfly. Like, why did you go into communications? And I'm like, well, I think for me, like that kind of did start my like fascination with other people's stories. Um, and because I, I wanted that, I wanted to hear those experiences that other people had that I didn't have a chance to. Uh, and so when I was in college, like originally when I, when I, I went to I went to college at the University of Michigan, Flint, and uh, I, for my first semester, I wanted to be a lawyer because I, I love debating. I loved arguing. Um, very quickly, I figured out that that was a lot of work and I didn't want to do that. So I decided to I changed my major to journalism. And I think that was a big part of it was just because of like this experience of hearing other people's stories and wanting to wanting to tell them, wanting to amplify those stories. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that really did kind of, I think, in retrospect, like launch me into this um, this new way of, of uh, uh, you know, of, of telling other stories. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't think that it was going to go into Catholic journalism. That was never really part of the plan. Uh, I originally wanted to be a sports writer. I, I wow. mentioned Emily, I, um, I'm a big hockey guy. I love yeah. hockey and <laughs> football. And, uh, and I wanted to do that as, as my uh, original career goal. And uh, I, so I, I worked for, uh, I, I, Worked for the campus newspaper, eventually became the editor there, and then moved on. Got my first job at the Times Herald in, in Port Huron, Michigan, and and it was at the Times Herald when I was there working on the copy desk that uh, our our editor at the time, who um, was was in the late stages of cancer, God God rest her soul, she's since passed on. Um, she asked me as a as a you know twenty two year old you know kid fresh out of college, 
you know, she asked me if, uh, if there was any, we were revamping our Sunday edition and she, she asked me if there was anything I was interested in writing about. Um, and we had already, we already had a really robust sports desk and I knew there wasn't any room there. And so I, I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know, I'd, I'd really like to write about faith. Wow. Something that's a, a, a big deal to me. And, and, you know, to her immense credit, um, she allowed me to do that. And I've been writing a, wow. a for, for that newspaper for the past 10 years. Oh, you're still writing it? I am. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of like launched me on this path of like thinking yeah. more about writing about faith. Um, I, I moved on after that job to the Detroit News, um, where I worked for about a year. And uh, uh, again, working on the copy desk and, and uh, you know, trying to still write my column for the Times Herald. And um, it was at that point where I started to realize that I, I wasn't really on the right career path. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, when you're working for a large secular newspaper like that, there's, there's stories that you're asked to write, that you're asked to cover that um, didn't jive with my faith. And, uh, and, and I won't go into specifics, but there were a few assignments that I just, I felt not right about. And, and I, it was kind of at that point that I decided, look, I have to get out of this. I have to, I have to find something else. Um, and it was at that time when I got, I got a, uh, an email from Father Tim Burney, who was the uh, director of priestly vocations at the time for the archdiocese. And he, uh, he was asking me if I was married and I told him I was, and uh, he was disappointed, <laughs> he was disappointed for a minute, but, uh, but I, I told him, you know, where I was in my, in my career. And I said, you know, I, I was thinking about working for the church and I said, do you, you know, happen to know where I might start? And uh, long story short, he knew our communications director at the time, Ned McGrath, and he connected me with Ned and there happened to be the opening at the Michigan Catholic, um, and, and the rest is kind of history, but, uh, yeah, it was definitely um, a blessed journey. Amazing. I wonder, Michael, um, you know, as, as you share, I think about the power of, of a story being told. And uh, John chapter four, when the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, when she goes into the town and, and the, the chapter ends by, we read, many more began to believe in him because of, his, because of his word. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is truly the savior of the world. And I love that in your in your ministry with Detroit stories and um, what you're doing of giving people a platform to tell their story for Jesus and that gives other people an opportunity to encounter the Lord themselves through that story I wonder um, over the years you must have gotten like from the Times Herald you must have gotten a note here or there about somebody had a powerful encounter because of a story that was told I'd love to hear one of your favorite one of those oh man yeah um, yeah, you know, you're right. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing about that is you do get, you get feedback and you get it in both ways, right? So <laughs> you get the good and you also get mm -hmm. the bad. Um, yes. believe it or not, actually one of my favorite, uh, you know, notes of feedback that I got was actually a negative one. Um, where wow. somebody, I, I had written something and I, I can't remember the topic at the time, but, uh, I had written something about the Catholic faith and somebody had, had emailed me and just said, like, I can't believe that you, you know, believe this stuff. And again, just kind of taking me back to like my younger days when, when I would get into those arguments with people and like being a little bit more mature in my faith, like I was able to kind of have a conversation with this person. And we, you know, we exchanged emails, um, you know, probably five, six different emails, just going back and forth and just talking about God, talking about mm -hmm. Jesus and and just the opportunity to share my faith in that way with really a complete stranger and somebody that I never, ever would have gotten a chance to, to talk to mm -hmm. um, any other way. Like that was just so, that was so amazing. And that's one of the mm. things that, 
that continues to inspire me to to write this column. Um, you know, sometimes when when we, you know, I don't know if you if you Father Patrick or Emily, like you get this feeling sometimes working in the church, but there's times when it feels like you're you're preaching to the choir, um, mm-hmm. where you're you know the people you're surrounded with are all Catholics, they all kind of believe in you or believe the same things as you, and like. I really love that opportunity to talk with people who are not immersed in that world, mm-hmm. who really aren't familiar with our faith and what we believe in why. And, and those are some of my favorite um, interactions, honestly. Yeah, that's such a good point, Mike. And I mean, Detroit Catholic, I mean, we've seen that too in that it, because of the kind of storytelling that it does, it's still leading people back to Jesus. It's still Catholic storytelling, Catholic news reporting, but not in the same way as, you know, uh, like listening to this podcast, for example, and talking about faith journeys, there's a, a a unique way to reach out to people through just good storytelling that you guys do really well. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? About like how does how does your desire to reach people through those stories and through the like the witness of those experiences? How does that play out in the work that Detroit Catholic is doing? Yeah, um, I, I think one of the things that I'm just so extremely thankful for with Detroit Catholic is, is again, just getting to see the Archdiocese of Detroit and all the great ministries that we have, um, kind of from a bird's eye perspective. So, I mean, we just have such a robust, dynamic Archdiocese, uh, and, and I think that there really is, you know, something in the church for everyone. You know, we have the, you know, we have, we've got robust pro-life ministries. We've got um, ministries of service, of charity. Um, I was listening to your podcast, uh, the, the one of the recent ones that you did on the uh, natural family planning, and there's so many different ways like that 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 people can get in touch with their faith, the, the beautiful social teachings that we have, um, and, and I think that getting to see that not everyone's faith journey is the same, um, that people encounter God in different ways. Uh, you know, some people like for myself, it was intellectual. For other people, it's, it's experiential. It's through service. It's through um, accompaniment. And I think just getting to like see the church and write about the church and report on these things from all these different perspectives just gives me such a like holistic view of everything that God is doing um, in our archdiocese. So I hope that some of those stories that we're able to tell can uh, can you know in, impact people in the same way that, that I've been impacted by them. But that's um, you know that's kind of up to the Holy Spirit, not not up to me. Are you ever surprised by the way people respond to different stories? I'm thinking back of the, um, you know, we can tell big, powerful stories, big events, things that are going on in the Archdiocese. And sometimes we just tell little stories and lift them up. But like, I'm thinking of the pierogi festival video that turned out to be one of our most successful videos of the summer, which it's, you know, which depicts parish life and parish community in, in what is could seemingly be perceived as like a simple way, but actually it's one of like the best witness ways into bringing together people and community and just showing that in like a two minute video and the way people respond Mm. to that. And so of all the stories that you have overseen and written and published and edited for the Michigan Catholic and for Detroit Catholic over the years, are you ever surprised by the way people respond to the different things happening in the archdiocese? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, it, it's funny because, you know, the, like you said, the stories that sometimes you think are, are inconsequential, that's really like, that can be what draws somebody into a parish. Um, you know, we talk a lot, Emily, you, you know this, you know, we, we talk about uh, the different levels of engagement that we have with, um, you know, with, with people that, that see and view and, and read and watch our work. And uh, sometimes it's the people that like, they, they're not engaged really to the level that, um, maybe we we wish that they were, 
but they'll see something going on at a parish that just looks fun, you know, a, a parish festival or, a, you know, the, the um, you know, pancake breakfast or something like that, where they just, they're like, you know what, that looks like a good time. I think I'll go check that out. And by that, by just that simple act, they, you know, they find other ministries at the parish, they connect with the pastor, they, uh, and they find their way back to the church. And so I think really, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of trust in the Holy Spirit to think that, you know, you're, your job is to plant those seeds. Your job is to, you know, just to point people in the right direction. And, and God is the one that waters, right? God gives the growth. Um, so it's, it's really beautiful to see. Beautiful, beautiful. As we're, you know, friends who are listening, as we're spending time today with a beautiful storyteller, Michael, um, what stirs in my heart here is that, you know, like when it comes to evangelization, and Michael, I love what you said about like, do you ever get tired of preaching to the choir? And it's easy when you're on home turf. Um, absolutely. And connections are so important when seeking to evangelize. And these and stories offer people the opportunity to, to connect. There's a connection there. But for the listeners out there, and for you know, all the four of us on the line here too, counting around, pumping the pumping the pedals. Um, the uh yeah, is is uh, just an encouragement, you know, when Paul said to Timothy, stern to flame that the, the gift you've been given, stern to flame this faith. And I, as I listen to Michael, I think about it, I'm just like, man, I got to keep sharing these stories and inviting people to a conversation about it. But to take these stories, to take what we do and to share them with others, it's an opportunity for them to hear the good news and also to have a conversation about it. And Michael, you really are a spreader of the seed. You write it and you throw it and you, so we're going to see where these seeds bounce along the path, but just an encouragement to everybody out there. Like when you find something good, make sure to share it with somebody, especially somebody you think could, could use it in a conversation and Holy spirit, St. Paul six said the Holy spirit's the agent of evangelization. Holy spirit, please give us the grace to share the story of Jesus and all the sub stories that involve Jesus that Michael helps share. Yeah, Michael, it's just stirring up my heart about getting out there and making sure to try to engage with people that aren't in the church and sharing a story, sharing an article, sharing a podcast is a great way to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes is um, you know, from Pope Paul VI. And he said, uh, modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. Whoa. If he does listen to teachers, it's because they are witnesses. Um, and I just, I think about that so often because it's, it's so critical, obviously, that we give people the truth and that we, you know, that we share the, the, the true unadulterated gospel, but it's equally as important, if not more so, that we are joyful as we do that and that we are, you know, seeking to, to, to change hearts and minds um, and, and having that trust in the Holy Spirit to do that is, is so essential to that work. And that's, I mean, the stories that Detroit Catholic is telling, that is exactly showing the witness. So you can, when you're telling the story of an event that's happened or a retreat, we, I think we just covered a big healing retreat that was here, um, in, in, was it in Plymouth, right? Father Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Over at I lady good counsel. Right. So I'm sure that there was some of that direct witness there too, teaching about healing and helping people know about it. But Detroit Catholic is also telling, like do, helping spread the word of that witness. There was the people who were witnessing at the event and then Detroit Catholic telling that story to even more people. And I think to, to your point, Mike, about having a bird's eye view, you know, the church is so much bigger than, you know, what's happening just in our families or just in, even in our parishes or our families of parishes. And I think that if we ever get in a, in a slump or start to get discouraged about what's going on and you're looking 
looking around and you're not seeing the kind of church that is going to inspire you or that you want to be a part of Detroit Catholic is a great resource for seeing what else is out there. What are we as a local church in Southeast Michigan, mm -hmm. all these different joyful missionary disciples. I mean, this podcast is one way to lift up some of those stories, mm -hmm. but Detroit Catholic has something new every single day. That is a local story of what's happening okay. of, of the Holy spirit working here in Southeast Michigan. And what an amazing resource that is for so many, I'm obviously super biased. So everyone's going to like discredit this, but, um, I just, the, what an opportunity to step back and reflect on your work, Mike, that is, is, is broadcasting that witness to the, that modern man needs like Pope Paul, the sixth said, man, you are well-read in your apologetics yeah. to be able to drop that quote, but that that's exactly what the purpose of Detroit Catholic is. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna give you another quote because this is, I, I was doing a little bit of pre preparation and, and, um, one of my, my all time favorite books, um, is, is the everlasting man by GK Chesterton, um, wow. Chesterton for, for, for those who don't know, Chesterton was an English writer and, and a journalist, which is maybe why I'm so drawn to him. But, uh, you know, he, he wrote this book, the everlasting man as a, sort of a response to a history of the world that was written by H.G. Wells. Mm -hmm. And Wells, you know, told the story of humanity through, uh, through political movements, through, um, you know, the rise and fall of kingdoms. And, and what he ignored uh, that, that Chesterton pointed out was he ignored those common experiences of, of man. Um, you know, it wasn't the kings that were the most important uh, stories to tell, but it was the experience of the, the common man. Um, and, uh, you know, by writing this book, like Chesterton wanted to point out that, you know, man's experience was important and the most important experience of man was the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so he, he, he wrote this quote about, and this is in, in the book he wrote, you know, it is exactly when a boy gets far off enough to see the giant that he sees that it really is a giant, like, right. So you can't always see the church for what it is when you're, when you're close to it. And he said, it is exactly when we do see it. Uh, from afar that we see that the Catholic Church really is the Church of Christ. And I think that like that for me is so personal because getting like you can always like you said, you can always find something about the church that's going to rub you the wrong way. Um, you know uh, you might not agree with everything that uh, your pastor says in a homily or you might not agree with everything the bishop is going to do or say. But it's when you take that step back and you see the church for the totality that it is, throughout through the whole 2000 year history um you know since christ walked the earth that that you really start to see the the blessing that it that it can be and that it is in, in our you know in our world um so yeah I, I just i wanted to i wanted to make sure that i shared that quote because that's something that's just um really close to my heart we love that thank you so much for sharing that and i think that like yeah it's when you take a step back and see all of that that any one story is powerful on its own but what makes the church you know divine being the body of christ is when you see mm. the collection of those stories and different experiences put together it's the closest thing we can get to you know an infinite representation of god your experience of god doesn't tell us who God is. Mine doesn't tell me who God is, but when you start to put all of that together or all the things happening here in, in Southeast Michigan for the church or all across the world, uh, that's when you start to get a glimpse of what, how infinite and amazing, powerful God's love is for his church. So that's, and I love that, how that quote represents that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Man, Michael, I'm glad I was on mute because Ron would have had to edit out. I, I was on mute and all I was doing is just going, whoa, like we need a we need a, a holy hour after that Chesterton. <laughs> Seriously. Um, 
yeah, and you know, the, the thing about the most important experience is Jesus Christ. That's a paraphrase of that, but he mentioned that in that quote, right? The most important yeah. experience is Jesus Christ. And it reminds me of Pope Benedict when he said, uh, Christianity is an encounter with a person that changes our horizons. You know, it's an encounter with Jesus. And uh, it's beautiful what you're, what you're getting after day in and day out. Like I think about like you going to write and when you read the Bible, probably when you go to write, you're like, God, do with me what you did with them. Like inspire my writing so that people can have an encounter and that they'll want to share that. And, and toward that end, I just want to ask, what's, like, what's your dream these days for, uh, you know, Detroit Catholic and anything else you want to share from your heart as a joyful missionary disciple? What is your kingdom dream, brother? Yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I have a, you know, specific place that I want it to go, but I do know that, uh, I, I want to tell stories of importance. Um, mm. I want to, I want to be able to share, um, the, all the grace that's been given to me. Yeah. I, I want to share that with other people. And, and, um, yeah, it, it's, that's a tough question to answer, Father Patrick. I'll, I'll have to really give that one some thought, but I, I just, I'm just really blessed to to be able to see all the different ways that God is working here in, in Southeast Michigan. Um, you know, I I recently uh, I recently became an uncle and a godfather for the first time. Oh, holy! We have uh, I've got a six month old nephew that uh, now in in uh, you know the next year or so is going to start crawling and talking and and I I got to kind of think about how to you know, how to be a, a witness to him. And um, I don't know, it, it's, I'm probably rambling here, but, but there's, yeah, I, I just, I just want to be able to share what God's given to me. So good. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, so much, Mike. We're so grateful for the way you've shared your story and the work that Detroit Catholic is doing and mm -hmm. um, just your incredible witness. I think like Father Patrick said, we all have a lot to take to prayer with us after oh, this episode. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, uh, quotes and everything that you've been able to share. So I'm going to do a bit of business. So that people know, we, uh, first, how can people find Detroit Catholic? That's a great question. Emily. I'm glad you asked. Um, people can find our work at www.detroitcatholic.com. Uh, Detroit Catholic is published uh, daily, Monday through Friday. And uh, we have a daily newsletter people can subscribe to through the website. It's completely free. Uh, we also have a weekly newsletter and a monthly newsletter. Uh, and we produce uh, Detroit Catholic in Spanish as well. So, um, and of course, people can can follow us on all the major social media networks. So uh, we, we really encourage people to, to check it out. Yes. And if you're a podcast listener, Detroit Stories podcast, uh, like Mike said, has been almost a year, almost a year, probably by the time this episode comes out, it'll have been a full year of Detroit Stories, which is telling uh, the stories of people, different people in Southeast Michigan through that format in a more narrative style instead of guest based, like many of our other podcasts are. So definitely check that out. That's been an exciting project for the past year. So thank you so much, Mike, for your time. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Father Patrick. And I, thank why you. don't we close with prayer? Hey, Michael, would you like to lead us? Uh, you you lead it i'll put a blessing on it <laughs> in the name of the father son holy spirit Amen. holy spirit we come before you this uh, this afternoon with humble hearts um, we thank you for the, the gift of your presence and uh, we ask you to uh, always uh, keep your son jesus on our, our hearts our minds and um, help us to share those stories uh, of the the good works that you're doing in our lives every day with uh, with those around us um, with those we meet and uh, with those in our own family and our own circle of influence. Mm -hmm. um, Lord, I thank you for 
the gift of Father Patrick, the gift of Emily, the gift of Ron, and, and the gift of this podcast. And we ask you to uh, help these stories to touch people's lives. Um, and uh, we, we thank you, Lord, and we love you. And Lord, thank you for your beloved son, Michael, and uh, letting me pray a blessing. I said, I'll put a blessing on it. It's, it's God who gives the blessing. And thank you, Lord, for letting me be a priest and to offer a blessing. Lord, thank you for this wonderful storyteller. Please, as this blessing is given, Father, give every person out there a fresh outpouring of the grace to tell their own story, to tell the story of Jesus, to share good content with others. Lord, that you'd stir up in our hearts a hunger for evangelization, that we wouldn't want to go to bed without sharing the good news of Jesus with someone around us, and especially those that we know don't know him or really might be lukewarm. Not, we don't want to judge them, Lord, but we want to bring them your love, knowing you you say they're worthy of your blood. You died for them. We have good news to bring. Jesus, give us the grace to be beautiful storytellers of the gospel. And may Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Jesus. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. See you next time.